Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran. Behind the counter of the Millhouse, our family bar in Wexford, there was a large frame on the wall with a collage of photos behind the glass. The photos told the story of Wexford's 1956 All Ireland senior hurling final win over Cork. Art Foley's wonder save to stop Chrissy Ring. Wexford's iconic figures, Nick O'Donnell and the Racker brothers, embracing Ring after he had missed out on a ninth medal. And over 83,000 people in Croke Park as Captain Jim English lifted the Lee McCarthy Cup. The words of John Myler. I'm lying on a physio bed that has been set up in the showers of the away dressing room at Villa Park. My dad is on one side of me. Sunderland manager Steve Bruce is on the other. I'm crying. Steve has tears in his eyes. Dad is welling up as well. It's Wednesday night football in the Premier League. My right knee is the problem, just like it was last May when I first tore my cruciate, like it will be in the future. The words of David Myler. And David and John both join me now. Good morning to John. Morning, Alan. And good morning to you, David. Good morning, Alan. Great to talk to both of you. And John, a first memory is I met both of you many years ago at a youth match. Cork were playing Wexford FC in a in a youth match out in Ferry Carrick Park, and you and I had a good chat there. And I was fascinated to see you at a soccer match. This journey that father and son has been on has been quite remarkable, John, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been remarkable. It's, I suppose he was born 32 years ago, but, um, you know, it's been a fascinating journey, fascinating ride for both of us, really, um, since he started here in Cork and went to College Corinthians, went to Cork City, and then when he went to England, to the UK as an 18-year-old, to Sunderland, you know, and it's been a fantastic journey of highs and lows in between, ups and downs, and, you know, the only time our family ever get together is when David was playing for Ireland in the Aviva, so... You know, I mean, just great memories there and um, yeah. fascinating, really. And David, that passage I read out from the prologue of the book where you were in tears and Steve Bruce was in tears. I know he's been in tears again within the last 24 hours, but basically for you, that was a turning point for you, wasn't it? At the height of your career. Yeah, look, it was it was a very difficult moment. Um, I suffered the first cruise ship in May 2010 and, you know, you're looking... I initially it was the first ever serious injury I had, and I remember when I when I spoke to the physio, I was thinking, "Oh, will I be a couple of weeks out or whatever?" And, and then you know they were talking about like nine months to eighteen months, and then you eventually get over that hurdle, and then you get yourself back, you get yourself fit, you get yourself playing, and then all of a sudden it goes again, and I find myself in the same scenario I was in eight months previous, and you know, and then and then. We've got to do it all again. And I was probably lucky the second time that I've been through it the first time, so I knew, I knew what to expect. It certainly was a turning point in terms yeah. of my mental strength and, you know, having to go beyond and above and, you know, to have support around me with my family and my friends, right? Um, which was huge. I'm dug into this book. It's absolutely... I have Peter Crouch's book I'm reading at the same time, so I'm reading both books at the same time, and I know you would have known Crouchy as well down through the years, David, but for you, John, going back to your early beginnings, there's great references to the legends of Wexford Hurling and one that really jumped out at me is someone I knew very well, the late Ned Wheeler. He used to visit your family farm, is that right, and deliver the oil? Yeah, like we had a shop in a, a pub in Tecumshan uh, and my sister-in-law is there. My brother Terry died in, in at the end of January, so Teresa's there keeping on the business. But Wheeler used to come with 400 gallons of paraffin oil it was used for the for the lamps um, in houses and that and you know that uh, we had a big garden out the back and then when Wheeler came in um, he'd unload his oil and then the mother would say there's a cup of tea there but I'd get 5-10 minutes with him out in the garden hurling 
you know, you had a colossal figure, huge man, six foot three. And I suppose his frame and his picture was, was imprinted on me from that, you know, set of pictures from the 56 All-Ireland behind the bar at home. So I recognised this giant of a man. And, and it's like, you know, Jimmy Barry down here, people like that. They're iconic figures and uh, Wheeler was one of those. And then Phil Wilson used to call as well. He worked with Caltex and um, you'd get five minutes and then the mother would give them a cup of tea and a, a corned beef or ham sandwich or something like that. So it's um, yeah. unbelievable, really, memories I would have had of those guys, you know. I want to bring David's journey in in just a second, but just sticking with your journey for the moment, John, and I knew your brother Jerry very, very well. In fact, he was one of the, the forerunners for local radio. He was, a, he was a, a, a disc jockey in the old pirate radio days. He loved his music. Yeah. He loved his sport. Um, yeah. Yeah. But your journey to, to Cork, how did that happen? You went to college in Gormanstown, was it? Yeah, I went to college in Gormanstown, just outside Balbriggan, and, uh, you know, when you're there filling out the applications for university when you're finishing your leaving cert. I, I really wanted to do veterinary medicine in UCD, but uh, I wasn't. I didn't get the points. And then John Costello, who was in, in Gormanstown with me, played minor under-21 hurling with Kilkenny as well, and John and myself just decided to go to UCC, and that's really where yeah. it kind of started down here, and I came down here, and I, I fell in love with the place here, here in Cork with the culture of sport, hurling, football, and hurling at that stage was was was, was very strong here. They had won three All-Irelands in the 70s, Cork footballers with Billy Morgan in 73. You know, Cork Celtic, Cork Hibs were absolutely flying down here. So yeah. there was a huge culture of sport here in Cork, and, and I've never left here really since okay. 74, so... Right. Um, made my life here, you know. It's great to be able to talk to both of you, but I'm trying to keep a balance as well so that I don't end up falling out with one of you. And David, <laughs> <laughs> David, like, uh, I, I just loved the early passages about the like having my own son at the moment as well. Uh, it's a great relationship, father between father and, and son, but the one thing, as, da- as John said to me off air, you got to be careful is you cannot live your son's dreams. They have to make their own dreams. So for you, knowing your dad was so embedded in sport, um, uh, how did you get involved in it? Was it just looking at him, what, all the things he was doing, or how did it start for you? Well, it, it probably goes back. My earliest memory would probably be um, the early 90s, the kind of 94, 95, when my dad was obviously manager of Kerry Senior Hurlers, and uh, my sister and I were thrown into the back of, back of the car after school, and we'd be down in Killarney and whatever in, in, in the stadium, and maybe training, and, you know, yeah. I'd have a hurley or whatever and we'd be given a bag of slitters and you'd be told to run around and kind of occupy yourself for the hour Yeah, um, that was kind of my earliest memory of it and then obviously you know I was kind of fortunate that at that age when I was growing up the term league was starting um, when you stay at home the football was on yeah, it, it, it's great you just get involved and all my friends played you know right. like soccer uh, hurling or rugby but just as your dad said uh, just as your dad said about Ned Wheeler for you it was the pocket dynamo that was Joe Dean he broke our hearts in Wexford many times Joe Dean was your man is that right? yeah well Joe was my hurling man yeah when I sure look at the thing all these young boys and girls nowadays they gravitate towards the goal score whichever sport it is um, like I used to go to Park and Queef, I used to go to Turles Crow Park um, to watch Cork senior hurlers play and Joe was obviously taking the freeze um, a wonderful forward and I wanted to be like him I replicated him I, you know, I, I tried practicing his freestyles whatever and then on the other sport then in soccer obviously Roy Keane 10 miles up the road from us um, someone I greatly admire 
Um, you know, obviously looking at him, his journey through Cork when he played with Rockman going, you know, into Cove and whatever, it was kind of like, it kind of, sh- it shined a light for everyone that there is hope that you can kind of, you can go on and become successful and you can go yeah. on and you can achieve things if you have the right attitude and the, you know, the right work rate and dedication to it. Okay, look, can you both stay, can you stay with me, John? I've got to take a short commercial break. Yeah. But I want yeah. to chart the journey, yeah. this, this remarkable journey of father and son. John, coming to you, uh, coming back to you, and your love of soccer, like I know I spoke to you on many occasions when you were manager of the Wexford Senior Hurling Team. You've had a strong link with St. Martin's here in Wexford once again recently. But your love of soccer and the link with Ger Canning, the RT commentator, is worth mentioning. What happened there? Yeah, look, when we went to UCC first in 74, myself and John Costello, we went training one evening and uh, there was a group of guys training, so they just said fall in with us and um, little did I know that Ger was actually managing the fresher soccer team in UCC in 74 and uh, a couple of weeks later he made me captain. Ger must have seen something, I don't know what it was, but uh, look, I enjoyed those. But they were the days when, you know, there was very little hurling and football, really. There was only seven universities at the time, and the institutes of technology weren't allowed into the competition. So, you know, there were very few hurling and football, but the soccer then was every weekend, and then I just gravitated then to the senior team then in second year, the Munster Senior League. So um, it was much easier in those days compared to now, um, really, you know. Um, So... Yeah, so That's how I started. Yeah, you had a love for the for the beautiful game, as they call it. David, your journey is worth charting then as well. You very quickly went through the underage structure and be, you, you were noted by Cork City, is that right? And you found yourself playing with the likes of Colin Healy and these chaps. Yeah, um, look, I would have been... Uh, I spent a brief period when I was 15 with, you know, Cove Ramblers, which were very good to me to kind of play uh, under-18 football to kind of mature and grow. And then obviously Cork City came knocking and... Um, I kind of started playing with the 18s and the 21s and then I, I started training with the first team and you know, you'd Colin Healy, Joe Gamble, Colin O'Brien, Gareth Farley um, were kind of four of the midfielders who were the mainstay then and it was just it was great to learn from them you know three of them were yeah. represented Ireland at senior level um, they were great role models and certainly the way they trained the way they conducted themselves on and off the pitch um, it was it was really important for me at that age to kind of understand what was required to be a professional footballer. Right, and when did the when did the, the first break come? Was it Sunderland, the first club you went to, or had you got a trial with Aston Villa? Is that the way it worked? Yeah, I, ha- I had quite a few trials. Um, it's, they can be good or they can be bad because you kind of, you go over as a, as a 14, 15, 16-year-old kid to England. Obviously, I know Brexit's changed that law now, but you go over and you kind of come back and your head is in the clothes a little bit and you think like I've made it and whatever and, and that, at that age when I was certainly in my mid-teens I was, I was too immature um, I, would, I wouldn't have survived so obviously staying at home learning from the likes of the names I mentioned and then getting my opportunity to go to Sunderland at 18 you kind of you really are a young adult and I knew what I wanted and I knew like I was still thinking on my own and never experienced anywhere away from home um, and moved to a different country of my own and yeah. like my dad said in 74 when he came to Cork like I moved over here in 2008 and I haven't I still live in the UK um, right. yeah yeah. Must be something in the blood. John, you went with him to Sunderland. There's a lovely chapter in the book where you talk about the signing of the contract, etc. What were what, your, your wife and, and, and yourself, what, what were your thoughts about this opportunity that had presented itself to David? Were, were you wary? Were you worried? 
No, I was never wor- I've, I've never worried about David once in my life. Um, but what I've always said, and I would say this to, to the young fellas who, who want to make it really, you're given an opportunity, um, but you must take that opportunity. And, and, and that is up to you as an individual. And I remember saying to David there that, uh, you know, when you get a chance to thank Roy Keane for, for bringing you over to England and all that, so David said it to Roy, I want to thank you for the opportunity. And Roy said, like, look, uh, you've taken that opportunity. We all get opportunities in life. We get opportunities every day, and we must take them. And if you don't take them, it passes you by. And, I, you know, when I left him in the hotel that morning at 6 o'clock, I put a note under the door for him, and um, he still has it. You know what I mean? So take the opportunity you're given because it, it's, it's not going to come all the time. So, And I've seen too many young fellas. You know, as David said, they're about 14, 15, 16 going to England, then they think they have it made. Life is only starting then, really. And yeah. You know what I mean? So it is, it is, it is, um, you and must take opportunities, Alan. And, and your your journey, David, has been a real roller coaster. Uh, tremendous highs and lows, including one of the highs, captaining the Republic of Ireland soccer team. What did that mean to you? Oh, I could either be here all day or I couldn't find the word. Um, look, for me, playing for your country is the highest honour and it's the biggest privilege. Um, yeah. You know, we're, we're a relatively small nation in terms of, you know, the football world and, you know, to give any opportunity to play for your country, represent your country, represent all the young boys, girls, the men and the women, you know, who, who are, you know, proud to be Irish. Um, it was just a huge honour. It was something I've always tried for when I was a young boy. A lot of people say they want to play in the Premier League, they want to play for Man United, they want to play for you know Liverpool, whoever they want to play for. I've always said I wanted to play for Ireland. Um, there's a great goal at home. Um, back when my mum and dad hosted me, you know, with the '94 kit on, um, you know, from USA, and that was always my dream was to play for Ireland. But in order to play for Ireland, you need to be still playing at a high, respectable level. Uh, whether that be you know now, League won the championship, the Premier League, but I was very fortunate, obviously, playing for your country, and then. Yeah, and to go one above the cap in your country is it's, it's, it's hard to put into words uh, No I think you've described it very well you've also in the course of the journey described the various managers and players I don't want to spoil it because I know you'd like people to go out and buy the book and it really is a fantastic read but one name I will refer to is Jordan Henderson because many of the time he was uh, short of a few bob and you bought him his supper Yeah well um, uh, how times have changed now um, he's obviously the captain of you know Liverpool and whatever, but look, when I first went over, I was quite fortunate that my registration hadn't gone through, and we had this kind of like mini pre-season tournament. And Jordan picked up a toy strain, and he was out of action, so I ended up sitting alongside him for two games. And as you can imagine, ninety minutes was tough enough with you know certain games. Yeah. So I just got friendly with him, got to know him. Jordan was always a kind of quiet, reserved lad, um, yeah. great desire, determination, and focus. Didn't get drawn into any of the nonsense, you know, out of football with it, like going out or any of that. And I kind of gravitated towards him and, you know, became very friendly with him. And then yeah. I was very fortunate that he had a big group of friends that I became very friendly with that I'm still friendly with to this day. Um, I even mentioned that in the book. Some of those lads were very good to me when I was second cruise ship um, with support and yeah. know, being able to bring me places or whatever. So I was very fortunate. 
Okay, look, I've got to wrap it up in a few minutes' time, John. You and I have spoken on many occasions uh, about you, the journey you've been on. I, I know the passion you had. With many is a chat you and I had when you were in the hot seat with Wexford GAA. Is, is all this chartered in the book as well, your your GAA journey? Yeah. I know when you got the call to say that you were taking over the role of Cork. It, it, like the, 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 the journey that both you and David has been on, it's, it's interlinked, isn't it? Yeah, it's interlinked and uh, it's, it's all there, Alan. It's all there in the book and, uh, you know, our, our two sporting lives are there and they're intermixed and, and how I've helped David, but also how David has helped me as well. And um, look, it's a great read. I think I still get goosebumps even though I've read it three or four times. And, and um, look, it's a fascinating read and it has been really well put together, Alan, by Fintan O'Toole and by Liam Hayes, the publisher, the ex-Mead footballer, um, and we launched it last Thursday night in the bars here in Cork. Like so, look, yeah. it's it's a it's a great read, and I would recommend it. I know it's, I know it's about the two of us, but I would recommend it to you yeah. know. I mean, any fathers and that, or families that that have kids that are coming up and they're growing up and and want to make it and and to realise the opportunity of life, and I think that's important. Speaking of which, there's a wonderful, poignant moment about when your mum was ill and you were in Sunderland, I think it was, and you went into the club doctor. There's a human side to the story as well, David, isn't there? Yeah, well, that was, look, you, you touched on at the top of the show there when we when we joined you, when I had my second knee injury. Um, like, my mum, that was the 5th of January, my mum and dad had been off for Christmas, Um I remember my mum said to me, can you take me to the shops? And she, she revealed to me that she had breast cancer and whatever. And, you know, my dad had been over several times and he couldn't find the words to tell me. And it was very difficult. And then when I did my second cruciate, I think it was a Tuesday night, um, my mum was starting a treatment the following morning. My dad was due to go back, obviously be there and support her and whatever. Like, my dad was like, I'll stay with you. And I was like, no, I'm fine, I've been here and I've done this, like, I know what I need to do, kind of, I'd rather you were with my mum and I want to know that my mum is okay. And as you said, I, I went in to see the club doctor to ask him a million and one questions, turned into me more or less shouting and roaring at him, kind of like, you're not telling me something you know more than you're telling me, but he didn't have all the information at the time, but I was young and you you fear the worst and thankfully my mum was fine and she was fine then. Um, you know, so you just, look, it's... It's it's not only for the the, the sporting world. The, the book also represents, you know, a relationship between a father and a son. It could be, you know, it could be a mother and a daughter, a mother and you know her son or whatever. It's it's it's, it's interesting that my dad has lived his life and he's been very successful in what he's achieved. But he's yeah. raised and shaped me in a particular way that I've been able to achieve what I've wanted to achieve. Now, like a part that I. I um, like even even my son was born two and a half years ago and I remember my dad was there at the birth um, and he says to me like he just shook my hand and said it's over to you now and I kind of looked at him going what do you mean by that like and he said well you're my son like now it's up to you to raise your son to, to beat me right. everything's always been yeah like a good competition between the two of us and it's it's we see the end goal and what is important. There's no... He's never tried to live his life through me, but he's... We always use the phrase, like, he opened the door for me and I walked through the door. I have to leave it, David. I have to leave it, John. Yeah, it's been absolutely brilliant to talk to both of you and thanks for sharing time with us. I'd lovely to spend some time. What, for me, is a wonderful story uh, with a very strong Wexford link to it as well. Myler, a family, a family memoir, is in all good bookstores now. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix.